Pew Bible, Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. We're going to spend a few weeks just talking about and encouraging us in the Word of God and Scriptures in the Bible. In Romans chapter 15, I'm going to read verses 1 through 5, says this. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the families, the failings of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And specifically verse 4 this morning, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. My aim this morning is to warm your desire to learn the Word of God in the hopes that the Holy Spirit will turn it into a never-ceasing heat that will be a source of hope for you and an instrument of hope for others. That's my hope, is just to, to warm us up to get into and read and know the Scriptures and the Word of God. Let's pray. Holy Father God, thanks for your Word. Thanks we can gather freely at the beginning of a week and study it together and hear from it. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you come encourage us with it and help us to see the hope that is in it and warm us up to a greater desire to know it and to live it out. And Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you were walking around the beach in Scotland on May 11th, 1685. You would have seen from a distance an unbelievably horrific scene, but if you got closer as a follower of Jesus, you, you would have been amazed. There were two women, Margaret McLaughlin and Margaret Wilson. Margaret McLaughlin was a 70-something-year-old woman who had stood for the faith under great persecution. She'd been thrown in prison her, she was mentoring Margaret Wilson, who was 18 years old. And they stood for the faith, they believed God's word, and were suffering great persecution for it, so much so that in 1685, you could be killed for it. And that's what happened on that morning, May 11th. They were taken out to the lake, put on stakes, Margaret McLaughlin, the 70-year-old, was put out farther on a stake. Margaret Wilson, this 18-year-old girl watching her mentor, was put closer to the shore, hoping that if she saw her mentor die, that she would recant and give up and change her ways. But she didn't. And the waves came in. Margaret McLaughlin stood silently. The tide rolled up, and she drowned. And all the soldiers were mocking Margaret Wilson, who was 18 years old. And they said to her, what do you think of her now? And Margaret Wilson yelled, Think? I see Christ wrestling there. Think ye that we are suffering 
No, it is Christ in us. And people pleaded with Margaret Wilson, an 18-year-old girl, just to recant. You don't have to die this way. You just, just say that you don't believe it. Just change your mind. And she wouldn't do it. And the tide came in, and the last thing that people heard her do was quote a song, sing a song from Psalm 25, 7, and quote Romans chapter 8. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord, and Margaret Wilson at 18 years old died, drowned, being hung on a stake. Where does that kind of hope come from? Where does that kind of hope come from? Contrast that with modern sayings of how we're supposed to live life. And Jim Carrey, the actor, said this. He says, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. Or Tom Brady, Super Bowl champion, a couple years ago said, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. Me? I think it's got to be more than this. I mean, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it. I'm 27. What else is there for me? Or Anthony Hopkins, the actor, says, you know, I meet young people, and they want to act, and they want to be famous. And I tell them, when you get to the top of the tree, there's nothing up there. Most of this is nonsense. Most of this is a lie. But where does the hope for an 18-year-old Margaret, come from that is life-sustaining even on the brink of the end of life? Where does that kind of hope come from? And in 1685, on May 11th, Margaret Wilson told us where it came from. She said it in the last few things that she said. She quoted scripture. She quoted Psalms 27, and she quoted Romans 8, and she knew what Romans 15 was saying, that it's through the endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures that we have hope. She found hope by knowing the scriptures, by knowing the Bible. Have you learned or experienced scriptures to be that hope-sustaining? Not just know them, but experience it to be that way. That's how you understand the scripture. And this, this morning, you, you might be in some really deep brokenness, and the idea of going to the Bible doesn't appeal to you right now. Or maybe you're just still struggling with where to begin with the Bible. Where, where do you start? It's such a big book. It's, there's so many things, but where do I begin? Or maybe you're bored with the Bible. Or maybe you've, you've got your box of Christianity and spirituality all wrapped up right now. It's all in a nice, neat little container. And so the Bible has no real impact on you. I mean, you just got it all figured out. So you just, the Bible doesn't just do anything for you. That's not the way the Bible was meant to be understood or read. It is our hope for encouragement. The world needs hope. And what we mean by the scriptures 
When we mind the Word of God, as our Constitution says, we believe that the Bible is the Word of God, fully inspired and without error in the original manuscripts, written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. God used men to do it, and it has supreme authority in all matters of faith and conduct. I mean, the world is hollering for hope. What the world needs is some understanding. It needs some comfort. It's longing for some encouragement. I mean, the world's been rocked in the last couple weeks, our culture anyway, with these high-profile people who are killing themselves, giving up life, and they can't figure it out. How can that be? When they are the ones that seem to have it all, how can it be? And it's leading to a very deep cynicism and deep despair. We need the same thing, though, don't we? You need understanding. You need comfort. You need encouragement. It's what we all need. Do you find this, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, is that what you find in Scripture? Do you know how to find that in Scripture? Do you know how to really find it and experience it and know it, not just, just words, but you, you experience it? That's what Paul's talking about. When we're talking about hope, we're not talking about, hey, something I just know. It's something that we just experience. He says it was the Scriptures were written for our endurance. And through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we can find hope. What the world's looking for is a reason to get up in the morning. And a reason to go back to bed and get up and do it again. It's the same thing you're looking for. And through all the struggles, where are you going to find that kind of hope? And the, the Bible says we can find it in scriptures. But not only as Christians and Christ followers. We're not only to be people of hope, but we are to be haulers of hope to a world that desperately needs it. And the Bible says this is what we can be. It says the scriptures were written so you can have endurance and encouragement and find hope that's life-sustaining. And that life-sustaining hope is to be shared with other people and given to a world that is absolutely crying, desperate, hollering, hoping, anybody, just show me some hope, anybody. And people are looking all different pathways to try to find some hope. And the God of hope who reveals himself in Scripture, uses a book, uses writings to relate to us and for us to relate to him and for us to know how to relate to each other. That's really the whole point of the book. Romans 15 is, is Paul's writing to a group of Christians, this church that's got all these little conflicts, all these little struggles, and he's telling them, hey, hey, love each other. Love each other. And, then he, and he says, here's, I, want, I want you to not be about yourself. I want you to help the weak. And it's up to you who are mature to help the weak and not to be about yourselves. Don't just please yourself just because you've got it figured out. Help those who are weak. Says, and then he uses Jesus as the example in verse 3. He says, for Christ did not please himself. Which we know that. We're like, sure. He's going to say now an illustration from the Gospels of what Jesus did. But he doesn't do that. He says, For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. What? Where does that come from? What's that got to do with 
Jesus. He's, he's saying, hey, be nice to each other, love each other, have unity, just like Jesus did. And he could have referenced all kinds of ways that Jesus was kind and helpful and loving when he was on earth. But the way he references it is he says, but it's written, the reproaches of those who are approached fell on me. And he pulls back a passage from Psalm 69 and applies it to Jesus so that he can make the point, know the Bible. And then he says, all scripture was written for our instruction and for our encouragement. This is why it was written down. We need God's word. Paul's saying all of it's profitable. Everything in the Old Testament was all written to point us to this hope that it was written for. God's a promise-keeping God. I mean, without the Bible, we wouldn't have great phrases and statements of Romans 8.32, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Without the Bible, we wouldn't have, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You're struggling with all this injustice. You're you're going to work and you're doing your job and other people aren't doing their job and so they're making your job harder. Or you got a family situation and things are difficult and you're trying to do the right thing, but by doing the right thing, it just seems like it gets worse for you. And you think, where's the hope in this? Where's the justice in this? How can this be right? And then you read Romans 12 where it says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And we can say, wait a second. One day, all wrongs will be made right. I don't have to change and fight and get my own way now. Because Scripture says, vengeance is mine, God says, I will repay, says the Lord. I can just try to love people who are absolutely against me. Or you're, you're confused about, how did I end up here? You ever think about it to yourself? You, you just pause and you're like, you, you pull into work one day and, and you're, what am I doing walking into this building? <laughs> and why am I... How did I end up in this situation? And you're wondering about your life and what God's doing with your life. And without Acts 17, 26, which says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. We could start to think, this is confusion, This isn't the way it's supposed to be. I'm not supposed to be here. But when you read Acts 17, no matter how difficult your situation is or where you find yourself, you can say, wait a second. God's in control of this. He allotted the boundaries. He knew that I was going to be born at this time, live in this season. He he knew I'd live in this house, in this location. It was his will for me to be in that situation. Or Psalms chapter 25. You have all these different paths. You're trying to figure out which way to go. Not sure which to do. And Psalms 25, 10 says, All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness. So whatever path God's leading you in, could be a very difficult season right now of your life. could be a very difficult season for months now. 
And you're thinking, how can this be good for me? But Psalms 25 says all the paths of God are, are dimming his steadfast love and faithfulness to us. It could be a great season in your life. You can be absolutely happy and think, hey, look what I did. And then you've got to remember Psalms 25, which says all the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness. It's not because of you. It's because of what God's done for you. We, we, how do we know this? All of those things do what Scripture's supposed to do. It's supposed to give us endurance, and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we find hope, and we know this by faith, that everything that is written in here, God says he's faithful to his promises. So we need all the Old Testament characters who are unfaithful. We read them. We look at our own lives, and we see how unfaithful they were, and we keep reading and reading, we find out, but yeah, but God was faithful. God was faithful. God was faithful. God was faithful. The people weren't faithful, but God was always faithful to his promises. So we can look at our own lives and say, man, I'm not being very faithful. I haven't been very faithful, and I'm struggling. What's going to happen? And the answer is, God's going to stay faithful. God always stays faithful. But the way we know that is by faith, which is a gift. And faith comes from hearing. Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. John fifteen eleven says, Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. What things were spoken? Things that were written down in the Bible. Which means that God wrote the Bible for our encouragement so that we can have joy. These things that I've spoken to you, I spoke them to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. That we as Christians can have hope and fight for that kind of hope. But there's all kinds of distractions to this, isn't there? There's all kinds of distractions to to taking everything that I just read to you and believing that it's true for your own life and accepting it to be true. And and statistics prove it. I could could stop here and read tons of statistics in our culture where our culture has a great fondness for the Bible. Almost everybody in America still has a Bible in their home. But the amount of people who read the Bible is drastically limited. And the amount of Christians... Statistically, in 2017, recent survey is even dramatically less than daily. We love the Bible. We have a great fondness for, for the Bible. We are distracted from hope. Something is in us that says, the Bible says, hey, the Bible was written for your endurance and for your encouragement so that you can have hope. The world is saying, I want hope. We all want hope. Hope's what everybody's looking for. The Bible says, here's how you get hope. We believe the Bible, but many Christians are just, we're distracted from it. Why is that? One of the reasons why we struggle with understanding reading and being in the Bible is because we have a real enemy, the Satan, who does not want us to know God's Word. It's the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God, and he does not want that. There's a real enemy. There's a real spiritual battle goes on. When your clock dings in the morning, and you've got to get to work, and you have these limited amounts of time in your day where you can read Scripture. 
it's probably not going to happen for you. We're going to ding, wake up, and whoo, I get up, and the first thing I want to do is go read my Bible. The first thing I do when I come home is go read my Bible. first thing I want to do at lunch is read my Bible. It doesn't happen that way for us because we have a real spiritual evil one, Satan, who, who wants to keep us from being in the Word. He, he wants to distract us. We have to know that there's a, there is also in us an internal hardness to the Bible. Our problem as Christians, for most of us, isn't ignorance to the fact that the Bible is good for us. Our problem isn't even that we desire to read the Bible. If I was to ask how many of you would really want to read the Bible more, I think most of us would raise our hand and say yes. How many of us would want to learn the Bible more? Most would say yes. But there's not just Satan. There is in us an internal hardness against the Bible, against the Word of God. We are naturally rebels left to ourselves. We needed to be wakened up to the truth by God's grace. And there is in us still, even as believers, an internal hardness that we know we just don't want to talk about. Which is why Paul the Apostle knew this and in Ephesians 1.18. He prayed this for the church. He, he prayed that they would have the eyes of their hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. And what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? He prayed that Christians would come to know and be enlightened, have their eyes enlightened, that they would know what is the hope to which he's called them, and that they would understand the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Where are we going to find that? In the Bible. It's in Scripture. We find that hope in Scripture. So we have these distractions we got Satan who is actively trying to stop us. We have an internal hardness to God's word that we have to deal with. And then we've got to be careful also with, in our culture, these illegitimate uses of Scripture. There's a frivolous way to use the Bible, even for a good purpose. The Bible was not meant just to be like, hey, here's a positive thought for the day. I'm going to pop this verse up there. Here, find my little nugget for the day. That's not the way the Bible is meant to be. You might as well read a horoscope or find some little pithy saying. You can get that. Romans 15 says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant, excuse me, for what was written was written for our instruction. Instruction is more than just, here's a pithy, little hopeful, happy feeling. Take this with you and go for on your day. The scriptures was written for your instruction. So you've got to hear what it says and say, whoa, I've got to adjust my life to this. I've got to change how I use this. I can't just toss these things out here, post them on social media and feel like, woohoo, I'm getting something from scripture. There can be an illegitimate use of scripture even for good things. The Bible was written for our instruction. So if your involvement in scripture is trying to find one little happy nugget Read it and run. That's not what Romans 15 talks about. That's not using Scripture for our instruction. We have these distractions that we have to use, but we have this endurance of hope, it says. There's an endurance of hope, which is what we're all longing for. Jesus wanted us to have joy. He wanted us to be joyful. George Mueller, who lived in the 1800s, was an unbelievable man of prayer. He, would, he prayed thousands of prayer requests. He had these orphanages. He was a pastor. Thousands and thousands of orphans. He, he would never ask for money. He would just pray. He would go to his father, pray, and pray, and pray, and pray. 
And thousands and thousands and thousands of times God would answer Scripture. And for years, he struggled with, with being happy in God. He just struggled with his joy. He was working really hard. He was in ministry. He was plowing through, but he wasn't happy. Like the Bible says, he, was, he wasn't finding this endurance of Scripture and finding hope until he says this. He goes, I saw more clearly than ever that the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about was not how much I might serve the Lord, how I might glorify the Lord, but how I might get my soul into a happy state and how my inner man may be nourished. I saw that the most important thing I had to do was to give myself to the reading of the Word of God and to meditation on it, and it changed his life. He found that he couldn't just get out of bed, start saying some prayers, and feel good. He realized, i got to work myself into, through Scripture, hope. The first thing he would give himself to is Scripture. So how do you get this endurance of hope? How do we see it as instruction? How do we have it? God gave us a book to read, and he gave us a book to read with natural means to do it in. It's a book with written words, with 26 letters, all combined in different ways for us to hear what God says. So our approach when we come to Scripture needs to be, we need to come to Scripture hungry. Like, I need something from God. Not just pithy, like I'm doing my devotions or I read the Bible today. But are you coming to the Bible hungry? Like, God, I I need something. I got a meeting with my boss at 11, and if I I don't have something from you, I'm not going to make it. I need you to give me something from your word. Come hungry to it. We need to come to the Bible hung, humble. Some of us have been in church and around the Bible all our life or a vast majority of our life, and, and we know so much, so many stories, that we can come to the Bible just with this arrogant cockiness that we don't even realize we just assume that we know what the Bible says. We, we assume how that passage means to be applied in this moment in our lives. The Bible is the living word of God, which he can apply in many different ways. So we need to come to it humble, not assuming that, hey, I read that verse 10 years ago. I know what it means. But we come to Scripture hungry and humble and say, give me something. Teach me something from your word, and we also just keep coming as a hunter. Like, if you're a hunter looking for something, you don't just go out and make a lot of noise, just set it up and assume that the, the deer is going to walk right in front of you and say, hit me now. Or if you're treasury, looking for some antique treasure, you don't go to the first antique store and say, oh, this is what I always wanted. It doesn't work that way. We hunt for it. We look, and we, we, we figure out where's the best way to get there, how to find it, how to, how to hit it. We're very detailed in it. When it comes to Scripture, it's the same way. We, we read the Bible as a book with hunger, with humility, and like a hunter, we're digging through it. And when we read something we don't understand, you've got to go not say, well, that was good, I'm done. What does it mean? And go look to find out what it means. It was in there for your encouragement. It's there for your hope. Which means all of Leviticus is there for your hope. We don't even understand it. All the chronologies are there for your hope. It's not because there's something wrong with God that he put them in there. It's something wrong with us if we can't figure it out. And he goes, hunt for it. Figure it out. J.C. Riley said, there is no royal road to a knowledge of the Bible. There isn't an easy path. 
There must be a patient, daily, systematic reading of the book or the book will not be known. God gave us a book that he said, hey, you want to find hope? This is where it is. So come to it like a hunter. Just dig in. And when you don't understand something, keep digging in. Don't say, well, it's too hard. It is hard. It's hard to hunt too, isn't it? But we keep doing it because we know the delight at the end of it. It's the same way we're supposed to look at the Bible and we come to the Bible as a whole. We don't just get to cherry pick what we like and say, ah, I really like this, what God says here. Not so crazy about this, so I'm not going to read this. I'm not going to take that. That's not how we come to the Bible. We come to it hungry, humble, like hunters. And we take it as a whole, knowing that This is how we hear God. This is how we know God. This is how we come to know who Jesus is. This is how we come to know our hope. Is that how you're digging the Bible? Because it gives encouragement. It does. It gives hope. That's what it says. It's through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. I was trying to think how to close this message and I was looking up all these different great stories of how the Bible helps sustain people and looking up Augustine and Adoniram Judson and Billy Graham and Elizabeth Elliot and I was trying to find one that I could use and none of them were doing it for me because I think sometimes we look at those people and we hear their stories and we think of them like they're some type of super saint that they, they, they weren't really human they didn't really live like we do we just we place them up on these high pedestals that they were really close to God they can't be like us then I started to look around my office at home and I thought I would just close it with the encouragement of scripture from my own life. Somebody you know. Somebody who's got feet of clay. Somebody you've been frustrated with. Somebody who doesn't always get it right. I think if we were to look back at some of these great saints of scripture we think are just phenomenal people if we met them in 3D, some of their personalities would rub against us. We wouldn't like them. They would be, we'd be frustrated with them. But we put them sometimes on a pedestal. So I looked around my office, and I just have three scriptures posted. One was Exodus 14, 14, where about three years ago, it's going through a difficult time. Picked up the book, The Red Sea Rules. Sat down in about an hour and a half and read all through it. And the verse that stood out to me was, the Lord will fight for you, and you only have to be silent. That sustained me. And gave me hope. And Psalm 68, 19 says, on Another one on my wall says, Blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up. And God is our salvation. It was about two years ago when I needed that. And I came across that verse. And it sustained me. And it gave me hope. Then I have Genesis 18, 14 that says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? And in the last year I needed that. And I came across that, and it sustained me, and it gave me hope. And then I remembered a number of years ago, 
I was asked to preach on Wednesday night, or Sunday night when we had evening services still around here. So they asked me to speak, and I was, came across Psalm 73 for the first time in a real way, and I had been reading it, was planning to preach on Psalm 73, <clears throat> and suffering, and how we need to think right about our life and suffering, and on that Tuesday, I found out that my dad had cancer. And I remember going over to his house, hearing the report. And God had put Psalm 73 in my head three days earlier. And at the dining room table, reading to him, Nevertheless, I am continually with you, You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me... It is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell all your works. And it sustained me. And it has sustained me. And if anybody ever talks to me, you will know that I say to you over and over again, you think life's hard? Go read Psalm 73. Asaph thought that things shouldn't be this way. And then in verse 17, it says, till I entered the sanctuary of God and everything turned around for him. And then he realized who God was. And it was in real life moments of difficulty and pain and struggle where we and I needed hope. And many of you could have this exact same conversation. You could have have this exact same story and you could stand up and say, I was in this moment and I needed some hope and I read the Bible. I opened up the Bible and I read it. And those words, they sustained me. They gave me hope. So give yourself to learn the word. Read it. Meditate daily on it. Go deep into the Bible. It secures. It strengthens. It sustains. I mean, if it does it for a sinner saved like me, it will do it for you. And even though all hell endeavors to shake, the Bible, God says, will never, God, the Bible says God will never, never, forsake and that's our hope isn't it that's hope that God will never forsake us and we find that in his word where are you going to go where are you going to go to get that kind of help Jesus has the words of life the Bible is the words of life so give yourself this summer to the word give yourself to digging deeper in it give yourself to starting again in God's word Read it and be encouraged by its hope. That's what we're hoping will happen this entire week. Little boys and girls coming through here. That we can introduce them to scripture and through it they can find hope. Is this how you read the Bible? Is this how you're seeing the Bible? Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Ask the Holy Spirit to wake you up to its truth. It would open our eyes that we may behold 
wondrous things from God's law.